Hey, I would like to start by acknowledging the fact that apparently I have an opening catchphrase. So, um, what's up, my people? I didn't know this was the case until uh, producer Ryan uh, gave me some new media, and apparently I say it all the time, but who knew? But anyway, I hope you're all doing well. I appreciate these are uh, unprecedented times. So, thank you for giving me your attention, and I hope I can pay you back with some football at some point in the not so distant future. But for now, let's begin the show. Today's guest, he's yet another friend of the show and he's currently the club secretary for Barnsley FC in the championship in England. He's a University of Washington alumni and most importantly to me and to lots of other players, he's the former first team administrator for us here at RSL. This is a role for people like myself coming into a new country where if he wasn't here amongst others, the transition would be so, so difficult. And the way that this game is played, you need to almost hit the ground running. So he's one of those, alongside Tim Weaver, you could say Chase as well, who make a huge difference, but in ways which you don't see unless you're there yourself. If these guys all went on strike, I guarantee the league would fall apart. So please sit back and enjoy as I uh, have a conversation with a good friend of the show, Mr. Tamor Rushdie. Yo, yo, yo. Oh my goodness, is this Taymor? This is Taymor. This is Taymor, eh? How are you, man? Yeah. Surviving, man. Surviving. No, you got to say more than surviving. This is a thriving podcast. You have to be better than surviving. How are you again? Yeah, I mean, look, man, I'm living the dream. In a world <laughs> that is surviving. Yeah, for sure, bro. How for sure. That? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. It's very good to hear from you. I've got a few you questions. I've got a few questions if you'd like to uh, to answer, and we'll see where this goes. How about that? Excellent, man. Looking forward to it. Okay, so because you're a non-player, I can't go yeah. on Wikipedia and find out information about you. But because I'm sort of on the other side now, I went to LinkedIn. Ooh. Yeah. So um, with that, you are a very interesting person, and I want people to know the story of Tamor. So can you just run by me from maybe the age of um say 12 13 to how you ended up where you're at now okay yeah interesting story really um i i was in paris i went to uh school there i moved, when i went to high school i went to the american school and kind of got me interested in the american system of education and what it entails and so i think you know once i started getting older i thought okay yeah university in the united states was going to be an option for me and uh, I was lucky enough to have some some family that lived in the U.S., so I'd visited different places. And my brother was in Seattle, so I went to Seattle, visited, loved Seattle, thought it was amazing. Had seen the University of Washington campus as a younger, as a, like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, and thought, wow, this is unbelievable. This huge stadium, sports, you know, the sports geek in me was thrilled. Applied to many universities, um, only one of them was on the West Coast, which was University of Washington. Got in, didn't think I'd be able to go because my parents didn't want me to go that far away. Made it out there, though, convinced them in the end, thanks <laughs> to my brother and my stepdad who kind of vouched for me. Went out there, thought, oh, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to study business or economics or something like that, something very cliche um, from my upbringing and then I got involved with the men's football program over there and by football I mean soccer <laughs> yeah I was gonna um, say and I loved it I had you know I was I was so lucky I, I Jamie Clark who's the head head 
um, coach out there kind of took me under his wing and um, I started very simple. I was just kind of picking up balls and cones and going to training twice a week in the winter time. Uh, just honestly, I was doing it because I enjoyed being around it. I was enjoying watching the training sessions. I was all volunteer and kind of slowly but surely I got more and more responsibility uh, worked, did a lot of the equipment, did a lot of other kind of assistant operational stuff. And from there, I thought, oh, well, I could probably make a career out of this. <laughs> so that's, that was the I moment, was it? Yeah. Work in football. Okay. Um, and that's, I, I, so that's actually where I met Craig Weibel, who I know you know quite well. Oh, was from Washington, was it? From Washington. Yeah, he was the assistant coach there, my uh, middle years there. Okay. Before he went to RSL. He went to RSL became the assistant coach and then I think a year later became technical director and then general manager. Um, I kind of graduated in 2015 and I, at that point I was thinking, okay, I'm going to have to go my, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have a U.S. passport, so I was on my student visa, but okay, I'm going to have to go back to England, look for work in the U.K. And then all of a sudden Craig called me up and, and said there's a position that he thinks I could be good for. And he wants me down there, so I, you know, I, I did an interview with with him and Rob Zarcos, and believe it or not, Freddie Juarez, who was the coach of the Monarchs back in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was offered the job, and so like about weeks before I was supposed to go, I think it was it was literally a week or two before I was planning to go back to the UK. I had sold all my furniture and everything I had was planning to go back I was like okay I'm moving to Salt Lake City <laughs> very fortunate timing man yeah really crazy I mean it's funny how life throws different opportunities at you and you just have to kind of go with it okay and I got lucky and that's I did you know three and a half years in Salt Lake both with the Monarchs and with RSL um, in the operational administrative side learned so much it was my first you know professional footballing job i loved it and then again out of the blue uh, i got a phone call to to go over to to barnsley to come back to england to be closer to my family and and to do the job i'm doing now which is a huge another again a big step for me and a, an incredible opportunity and an incredible learning opportunity i i'm just grateful i've been lucky and i'm very very grateful for everything that i've been able to do so i've met some incredible people along the way yourself included oh thank you uh yeah and don't forget uh, to send me your address for the for the check yeah always always good for the for the podcast yeah. even though i know you hate them <laughs> <laughs> i'm an yeah. avid listener yeah i, I know you're, you're, you're definitely listener. a friend of the show you've you've given me the most <laughs> feedback i think of any person apart from like producer ryan it. who's always very most, positive just just shows how single i am huh? <laughs> well we'll go into that later <laughs> and yeah. so yeah here i am that's interesting. You never said um, to the people what you actually do at Barnsley now. You just said you yes, work I'm, at Barnsley. I'm the club secretary at Barnsley, um, which I think is a position that people don't really, it's, a, it, it's not a role that would make any sense to anyone in the US. Um, it's a very much a, almost like an assistant GM type role in a way. Okay. Uh, deal with the chief executive and we are the one, you know. We bring in the players, uh, manage the contracts and the registrations of the players, um, and then here at Barnsley, it's a bit different because obviously we're a bit of a smaller club, so we don't have as much staff as some of the bigger clubs. So I've also done. I also do the uh, like the team admin type role that I was doing in the US. Okay. But then again, I've added the more responsibility of more of the contracts and registration piece. Okay. 
That's um, it's from my experience that is a very very important job, but it's hard to describe as you say to people over here because the the clubs are just set up very differently. Would you agree? A hundred percent. It's a it's the way the structure of the clubs here are completely different. Yeah, you and know, it's funny because we play the same game on the pitch. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. Um, all the stuff I was reading up about you, yeah, like I'm glad you've explained certain bits there because I was going to ask you like why did you go to Washington, but you know, you went to Seattle but one time and all of a sudden you fell in love with it. Fine, sure. Um, and then with RSL, before you, Craig called you, were you not looking for any jobs in America at all? No, because I thought, you know, it's very hard to get a work in. I think people don't realize it. And, and, and people in our in football don't realize if you're not working or if you're not a professional athlete or working in that realm, it's very, very difficult to get a work visa in the United States. Yeah. So I didn't think I was going to be able to to get anything like that, and so, uh, I and ultimately my dream was to work in football in England. Yeah. Uh, you know, but in, we all know it's it's kind of the pinnacle of the game, and it's it's it, it means everything here. So it was my it was my dream to come and do that, and but I also you know needed I needed a path in, and when I got the opportunity in Salt Lake, it was my first step. It was my first step was get involved in professional football, and I got lucky enough to have that opportunity and and I'm incredibly grateful because it, to be completely honest the amount I learned in the three and a half almost four years I was there has been immeasurable and and it's funny I obviously I'm and everyone knows I'm you know I'm a Man United fan and I <laughs> I, I don't need any booze or anything from the city. <laughs> we can from put those you. in, don't worry. We can put those in afterwards. But, uh, you know, I, my dream is to, I'd love to work for Man United. That's, you know, what I want to do. But to be able to work at clubs that don't have the resources that Manchester United have is a blessing because it allows me to put on multiple hats and learn much, much more than if I was just a, a you know, a piece in a huge, in a huge machine. Yeah, for sure. So, so given the fact you've, done all this and you've worked in this place that place and so on gained so much experience you know i'd assume that maybe you're somewhere between 40 to 50 years of age so um how old are you really i'm 27 and yeah you're right I'm, i, I feel impossible. young in my role here that's I, for sure. I need to i need to look at the math again this is impossible you can't be 27 and have done that all that already have i not I, carried a one carried a two like what what what's gone wrong there What's basically happened is I realized at a young age that I was never going to be good enough to be a professional footballer. Ah, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. There's something which I need to say. I need to make sure I get this off correctly. So would you agree that the way football works, if you're good, you start at the front. So you're a, you're a striker, yeah? Yeah. But if you can't score goals but you can run, you become a midfielder. Yeah. Then if you can't really score goals and you can't really run, you become a defender. Yeah. And then if you need to just try and like be part of the team, you become a goalkeeper. Would right. would you agree with that? Any of that? Yeah. I would actually agree wholeheartedly with that and, and, and to really make that statement even clearer. So which position did you I play? I started off as a defender. Oh, did you? So you started Ended all up, the way back. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ended up in goal. Yeah. And then mm. said, "Okay, not good enough to do this at the high, at the next level." As mm. opposed to trying to cling on for dear life, yeah. realized really early and said, "Nah, I'm going to get involved some other way so I can get ahead of the game," and that's what I've done. Okay, so as somebody that we we both know, um, called you the Gardner Village legend, 
Would you um would you say that's a fair description of your time in Utah? Say that again. I didn't hear that. The Gardner Village Legend. Ooh, I can assure you, if that was Phil Tibet. <laughs> Listen, ignore my laugh. Maybe it wasn't Phil. <laughs> I tell you Maybe. what, whoever said that about me is is uh, is being very, very, very kind. Yeah. And uh, I didn't pay them twenty dollars to say that. Let's just say that. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> at least you're honest, and you're in gold because you know we need an extra an extra number, and you're there, so now, it's a good on you. In, at Gardner Village, I was playing up front, and that's because I'm very lazy when I get on the on the on the pitch these days. You know, I can and believe it's the it. Least amount of running. Yeah. Whilst not having to hurt my body. I can believe it. I can fully believe it. So let's talk about your time now at Barnsley and. For some people over in the States, they I think they just envision just see the UK or England as just being essentially the same. But there's actually a bit of something different to living in the north, especially for you, who's essentially from London. So what would you say the differences are between, say, living in Barnsley now or in, in Yorkshire essentially and living in London? Oh, I mean Chief, it is it's like two different countries. <laughs> Listen, I owe you here. I owe you, and I need to give you a big shout here because when I, I remember so well when I told you about what was coming and that I was going to be moving, and you thought, and you came up to me and you said, "Yeah, you're in for a real treat. You yeah. haven't been up north. It's yeah. totally different." Yes. And I was kind of naive, and I'm thinking to myself, ah, "What is? Yeah, I'm going to be fine. It's it's going to be. It's England. Like it's the same." I'd never lived outside of London in my time living in the UK. And within 24 hours of moving home, I thought, yeah, I know exactly what he means. <laughs> I, I just know. It's just different. It's Look, people in the North, in my opinion, are they're just they're harder than people in the South. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. But you might need to explain it to people who maybe... Like it's almost like there's a different resilience and a different toughness yeah. to people up north mm-hmm. um it's much more in my opinion of a working man culture yep uh it, it, there's graft there's grit it, it, nothing don't take anything away from the south there's there's yeah that does yeah. exist yeah that does exist. exist but it's the different it's a different type um it, you know you just you feel it you even feel it in the air it's a bit colder everything's a bit different you know, <laughs> a bit I get, wetter as I take well the train yeah it's wetter i take the train from london i get on and then i get off i get off in leeds i live in leeds and i just feel the chill in the air it's a couple of degrees <laughs> colder i can feel it when i get off <laughs> but i love the cold so it's Listen, fine by me <laughs> I, I told you about it is is very very different having been lucky enough to play in london to live in manchester and i've also played in the northeast as well it's it's like three different those are like three completely different places completely different and i think if you go into one expecting something else you will be very very surprised but it's you know it's it's good i always found that in england when i was in manchester i always used to wonder why people that were from london would only ever play for teams in london they turned down moves to this place and that place just to stay somewhere else that was within the you know the m25 the orbital around london and i was like what is this what is this and then I went down there, and I can see because they're just so used to it. They consider the north anywhere past twenty miles north of London, even though <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's yeah, it's so odd. So, how long do you think it took before you felt comfortable being a northerner? And that's funny because, like, if I'm when I'm up here, 
Neds. Like, I feel like a foreigner. I feel so much like a I feel like I'm not from... I feel like I'm the one that's a foreigner. However, when I'm in London... I'm like, yeah, I'm a northerner now, you know? <laughs> Leave when it I'm out. When I'm down there, I hold on Leave to it. Leave it like, out, I'm, you seriously. I'm proud of it. Leave it out. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> but when I'm up here, I feel like I'm, I just stick out like a sore thumb in some ways. Yeah. Um, but I do, you know, it took, I think it took me a good, a good month and a half, two months to just kind of settle down, find my place to live, get, get into kind of my routine. Yeah. And once I got into that, it, you know, I, I'm comfortable. By it. I quite like it. I, li- I love my life up north. It's a, it's totally different, but it's 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 calmer in a lot of ways, and and actually more sane. I think. Did you ever uh, work down in London? I never worked in London. No, I was I, I born in London. I lived nine years in London, but I never actually worked in London. Okay. I was young. Okay. So for but a future, I mean, yeah, for a future podcast, then, in like when you do eventually work down south as well. I'm sure you do it at some point. We'll we'll have a discussion to see if uh, there are any differences because I, I imagine there'll be one or two. I'm I'm sure there will be. Yeah, like I said, it's like different countries, my friend. Yeah. London and then the rest of England. Yeah, pretty much. So now you've found your job working in football in the UK. Is it as you expected? Wow. Uh, yes and no. I think it's football here, and and you know better than I is it's just it's crazy compared to the US in terms of the passion the it, it is the livelihood of so many towns yeah um, and I feel that in Barnsley and it's in a lot of ways it's so very special because you just the town sort of revolves around the club and you can feel the passion of the town and the fans and what it means to them every Saturday yeah it, it, it is the lifeblood and it is the kind of that the happiness and sadness in a way of a town and that's special to be a part of that is very 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 special and you don't necessarily have that in the u.s mm. it's a bit more commercial even and, and not just in, in in our football but even in the other america I mean, i'm a i love my american sports i'm an avid fan of of all the sports and i've been to many sporting events when i during my time in in seattle and salt lake and don't get me wrong. There's passionate fans in the United States for all the three, all the major major sports, football as well. But it's just different in terms of what it means to the town, and and I think that stems from the fact that obviously these everything is so commercialized in the U.S. and everything is all about the fan experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas in England, it's from three to f- three p.m. till about quarter to five. The only thing that matters is the 90 minutes on the pitch. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you have a nice 10 different food options, uh, yeah. you know, uh, a fan zone. A, it's, that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. As long as you have your pie and your pint and, and the football's on, that, that's what matters. And people spend all morning leading up to it and then after the match talking about it afterwards. And you get scrutinized naturally yeah. for every little thing that you do. Yeah, and that's special. Yeah, for in sure. a lot of ways, and that's the biggest difference. Yeah, I think um, you've got it right as well because you live in Leeds, and you could live in Barnsley, and it's just a fair enough place. But living in Leeds means you can be away from what's going on with the football in Barnsley. I think right. for some people, when like when I was um, in Sunderland, I lived in Sunderland, and if we won, it was a great week. If we lost, you've got to lay low for a week. 
And right. that's that's a hard thing to describe to people over here because for us RSL, we can win, we can lose, we can do whatever, and we do feel we do feel the change in the tone. But you might not necessarily see anybody who knows anything that's happened on the weekend. Whereas in, if you live in a city where you play in England, everybody knows what's going on. They know who's hot, who's not, and who they want there and who they don't want there. And I've seen some people who clubs who fans do not want there, and they make sure that you know from the moment you wake up <laughs> on whatever day to the moment you go to sleep that they want you out of that place. And that's a, that's a tough, tough place to be. Very tough I, place to be. I felt it. You know, I live in Leeds, and as you know, Leeds is a one-club town, and, and Leeds have had their up and downs this season. And at one point, Patrick Bamford was, you know, enemy number one. And I thought to myself, wow, this guy every single day must be getting it on yep. his way to training on his way home mm-hmm. because in leeds it's all football is every again it's a big town but it's a one club town so yeah. you feel when they win you feel when they lose even yeah. though i'm not an employee of leeds united i you know living in this town i feel it and 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 it's it's crazy it really is but again it's special it's as long as it stays you know, healthy and not, you know, over <laughs> overboard, which at times it can be, it, it's special. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, with with that <laughs> thing about Leeds, I remember we played uh, Leeds first game of the season when I was at QPR. This was down in London. And the, they, were, they brought maybe 5,000 fans or something like that. And after the first 20 minutes of the game, all they did was boo their striker, Chris Wood. This is the first game of the season. They, they were telling him he has to leave, he has to do this, he has to do that. And I thought, wow. Like this is the first game of the season, and he, <laughs> right. and he was getting grief like this. Obviously, it was great for me because he's an attacker, so he was, you know, was under a bit more pressure. But I just thought this is um, this is definitely a place where they where they like their football most definitely. Right. With the differences in in football in the UK compared to say over here, which uh, which country or which which place for which league, whether it's the MLS or Championship or whatever, which league do you think suits you better? Me personally, yes, as a human being. Honestly, there are elements to the MLS that I really, really, really liked. Don't be shy. Um, Don't be shy to mention it. And I think there, but then at the same time, there are elements over here that are just that are fantastic as well. And I'll, I mean, I'll highlight a few of them for you. But please, this is I this is a content podcast. That, please, Let's, yeah, we, we don't we don't just skim the surface here. We we like to go deep. Deal. I, look, I think. The MLS, in terms of the the organization of all the teams and and how they how they you know kind of it's obviously the MLS is a single entity, so the league has a real proper vested interest in every single element of every single team, um, which I think is very very helpful because when it comes to organizing all of the logistics around the team, you're constantly getting help from the league, yeah. whereas here because all the clubs are by themselves, obviously. There's a, in my opinion, what makes it more difficult is you're now, as opposed to the league, everything being kind of centralized to the league, you're kind of having to do it all your by yourself. Yeah. And that for me creates hurdles because it, again, it creates a market where you have so many different vendors trying to do di- sell you different things, mm-hmm. as opposed to in the MLS where everything is quite standardized and we use the same platform for everything. Now on the flip side, the fact that the MLS is single entity can also cause a lot of problems I know when it comes to signing players yeah um, take away the salary cap I'm talking about just the way the league has such a say on who you get to sign and who you don't get to sign and um, and I think that's it's very limiting in a way and they cause a lot of difficulties 
Whereas here, yes, the EFL are, they have rules and regulations, but you know what those rules and regulations are because they're all in writing. So if you want to sign a player, you can sign a player on whatever you decide to sign him for, whatever the numbers are, as long as you follow the rules that are set out plain blank in front of you. Mm -hmm. And they have a great system that we use. It's an online platform to do all of the registration of all the players, and it tracks everything. And, and you know you submit everything and allows them to review everything. If there's any errors, any mistakes, they come back with why or why you can or cannot do this. And it's 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 seamless. And I think that's something actually if the MLS you know they I think it would be something they could bring on board that would I think help a lot of the general managers and the and the technical directors in the MLS tremendously. Because I've heard from from some friends that are in the MLS some of the difficulties that they go through and I've heard stories of why they can or can't sign a player and it just seems a bit too arbitrary in my opinion <laughs> but how's that ever going to change uh, well it takes it takes uh it takes i think enough people enough general managers to to cause up a fuss i think because again the fact that it's single entity uh, and the league own all the contracts in the mls mm -hmm. you need enough fight back to be able to make the change yeah, I, I, that's why I don't really see that coming, to be honest. The general managers may think it, but I think it'd take a lot to have all of them unanimously decide that this is what they want to do because quite a few are very used to that system and they see no flaws with it because it's so, right. cause it's so single entity, entity or whatever. People aren't necessarily looking to see how other teams are doing things around the world just because it wouldn't apply to their situation in uh, in the US. You know, So change isn't necessarily something which they which they would strive for because it's just... You know, some people are just happy yeah. with their jobs and happy with the system. Yeah, but I, the more we remain stagnant and the more we don't, it's. I think it, once you get too comfortable, that's when things don't go so well. We have to strive to be better. That's yeah. what I always tell people. Listen, I be totally agree. I totally agree. But it's the concept of better. Not everyone knows better to be able to do yeah. better. That's the thing. And not many people are looking because they, they try and better themselves in their own situation, but they don't know where benchmarks may be. You know, they're almost like they're creating their own or they'll see... Maybe they'll see LAFC as being a benchmark instead of, say, seeing a, maybe Bayern Munich as being a benchmark. You know what I mean? So yeah, with well, that, chief, when when you end up retiring in ten to fifteen years, um, retiring from what? What am I retiring from in that time? Professional football. Yeah, you need to relax. But go on. <laughs> maybe maybe you're the man to to go into the front office in the United States at some point and and bring some change with you. Uh -huh. Do you know, that's a very interesting take, and I can break this news on the podcast today that I can confirm I am not the man to do that. So please go find somebody <laughs> else. How about that? Right, so let's briefly touch on the elephant in the room, um, okay. which is, you know, the, the coronavirus situation at the moment. How is it affecting your daily life right now? Tremendously. In what I ways? Mean, I, well, first and foremost, I'm sure it affects everyone in, in some way or another. And, and what I stress and what I think people don't realize is, you know, I've had people say, oh, well, it's just football. Or I mean, yes, it is just football. I work in football. But ultimately, we're all a lot of these, a lot of football clubs, especially in the lower leagues, we're small businesses. So we're struggling just like any other small business is struggling from the fact that we cannot play football matches or we ha cannot have football matches on with fans in the stand um and i don't think you know you know we've been 
I'm sure everyone's focusing on, well, how do we get football back? Are we going to play behind closed doors? And I don't really like the closed door approach because I think, you know, the amount of teams that rely on getting money from ticket sales, uh, program sales, food and food and beverage inside the ground, things like that. I mean, most clubs rely on that. I know everyone thinks of the Premier League and, you know, the big the big clubs and of course they don't you know, they're gonna be fine. They're they they do not necessarily rely on, on, on that. But you look down to League One, League Two, lower end of the championship, all the national league sides, it you know, the gate is what makes those teams survive week to week, month to month. That's what pays people salaries and, and we're suffering. You know, we're, we're lucky at Barnes that we have a, a good financial model. We're very financially responsible. I mean, it's, it's well documented how we, we're, our goal is to be a sustainable club. But, you know, we can't go on for that much longer. You know, we, we, we can survive, you know, a couple months. We can do what we can. But there's going to come a point where if we don't get money from season ticket sales or from uh, any just general ticket sales, sh- sh- uh, club shop sales, it becomes a problem, and and yeah, we're feeling it. We're doing everything we can on our end to to make sure that everybody is going to continue getting paid. And of course, the primary and most important thing in this whole scenario is people's health, uh, health and safety of not only our employees but just everybody is paramount. And that, in my opinion, should be the primary focus of every single government and every single branch of authority whether it's government or sports authority or whatever it is health and safety will be the most important thing but then we need to come together as a human race because i mean when's the last time we've had something that has truly affected the entire world was it i mean world war ii maybe and i think I mean, it was um it was a few years ago when nostradamus predicted the world would end i think maybe it was 2012 so we all have to come together and make sure that we survive that. But aside from that, yeah, yeah. it's probably World War Two. This is this is a worldwide pandemic, and the best way for us to come through it is for the entire world to unite and come together and support each other, in whatever way we can. You know, too much. I think at times we're so divided, but this is something, and this is something where everyone needs to humanity needs to realize that. We need to come together, help where we can, do what we can to help others, even if it means sacrificing personal, certain personal things. I, I, you know, it, we, I don't know if you follow any of what's going on. And I'm going to speak again. I'm going to go back to football here. But, you know, we talk about some of these Premier League teams or, or, or the FA um, or UEFA or FIFA. They need to come to the help of these smaller clubs. Mm-hmm. There needs to be solidarity. More than I, don't get me wrong, I know there is already solidarity that gets paid, but some of these clubs will go out of business. There is no doubt about it if there is no help provided to them, because they just cannot sustain not having five, six home matches that were planned and were you know budgeted for at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and it hurt. It hurts to see people who do everything they can for football clubs. It's you know, and, and ultimately it's the it's the people that work for almost nothing but just love their football club that get hurt by these things. And that's where, you know, I, I'm, I've been so fortunate and so lucky at, since my time at Barnsley to see and understand, you know, that so many of the people that work for our club are local people from Barnsley 
who have worked at the club for 10 years, 5 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, who live and breathe Barnsley Football Club. And they work at the club because they just genuinely love the football club. They may, be, they may work, they could work for other businesses or other corporations and probably get paid a little bit more than they're getting paid by the football club. But they genuinely love the football club and that's why they work for us. And for them to all of a sudden be cast at the wayside because, you know, we, we not enough people want to help. That's what, you know, makes me sad. And I know it could happen at any of these football clubs lower on the pyramid. So my rallying cry is let's all come together and help everybody and help together and realize it's not about, you know, of course we want to finish the football season. Of course, ultimately, from a sporting directive, we want to play all the games. That shouldn't be more important than securing the health and safety of every football club and the members of the EFL and the Premier League and, and below that. And that's where I'm, I've been struggling for the last week because I feel like the narrative that we're seeing in the press and in the media is, oh, we just want to finish all the games. We want to make sure we have a, you know, champions, promotion, relegation, this, that, and the other. And I'm thinking, yeah, don't get me wrong. I believe in that and I believe that's important. It can't be at the. Uh, we can't sacrifice the health and safety of all of the people that work at the at all these clubs and the actual physical clubs themselves, just to be able to finish a season. Sorry, I went off a bit of a tangent. Listen, not a bit of a tangent. You went missing, so you made some very very good points, and I'm glad that you said all that stuff. But that wasn't the question that I asked at all. <laughs> I literally, <laughs> I literally asked you, how does it affect you your daily life? Like when you wake up in the morning. When you try and go out, like that's what I was asking. But seriously, that's it's a bigger answer. Maybe you've heard the podcast too much because you knew that after I asked the first question, there's always going to be a second, third, and fourth question. So right. you've answered those straight away, but you forgot the first question. So could you please I'm go sorry. back to the first question, which first is how question. is it affecting your daily life? The truth is, up until really this week, not so very much because the government in England hasn't really put in all the the big steps that we've seen in other countries. So I was working, I was getting up, going to work every day. And then in the last week, we've changed it to a point where we now have a, uh, only a small skeleton staff that goes in and we kind of, we rotate. So two people every day are in the office. So I've been able to go out, I've been able to get my groceries, um, make sure I have the necessary food and supplies in my flat, just fine up until now. Um, However, it sounds like, and the rumors we're hearing is that things might go into a bit more of a lockdown, either today or this weekend or by Monday. Uh, I think I think the prime minister is supposed to be talking at some point here. It may even be now, for all I know. Uh, and every day we wait for that. We wait every day to hear what the prime minister says and to see what the update is. And it's very fluid. It changes every day. But my personal situation hasn't really been affected as of much. Okay. You need to watch out for those rumors because I think I've heard one or two from people back home and it's just one of those things on WhatsApp where it just says forwarded. No one says who they are, where the information's coming from, but they've heard that their sisters, boyfriends, cousins, nieces, nephews, twin <laughs> was on a road somewhere and she happens to know someone who works in the army who's been told that they're coming in and on this date at this time, this is going to happen. But it's the same voice which I heard in January which said Messi was spotted at Man City's training ground and he's going to sign for free. <laughs> So always, always check your sources. Can we talk about um, your uh, your clubs for a moment now? Yeah, I want you to yeah. have a flashback to the RSL times. I want you to give me some more information about Barnsley now. 
So in your okay. three and a half years, I think you said it was at RSL. Yeah. What would you say your favorite moment was, whether it was something happened on the field or something happened off the field? Hmm. You can name several if you want. Yeah, to be honest, I have so many wonderful memories. Um, but the first, I think, from a footballing perspective, the you know when I was with the Monarchs and they and we won the the what's the equivalent of the supporter shield? Yes. That season, um, it was. It's not so much just winning the supporter shield. It was just the season and how special that was. I thought the group of people that we had and how everyone came together was incredible there was a cohesion and we weren't necessarily the best football team in the league in terms of pure talent but we i think we're very much one of the best football teams in terms of atmosphere and mentality and i think people it's so underrated the, the word mentality is so underrated in football and i think it, it, it we created an atmosphere that was almost like we're, we are not going to lose. And there was a period where we, I genuinely felt like we, we will not lose a match of football. And that's special. And I remember that really, 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 really clearly. Um, and it's funny because, you know, obviously they, the, the Monarchs won the whole thing this past season, and it was amazing to see that. And, and I would, I'd be lying if I told you that at the beginning or even the middle of the season, I thought that they had, you know, they had that they had the same mentality as that team that we had a couple of years prior. Um, but look what they did. So mm-hmm. kudos to them. Um, but that was probably my, my, my best memories. That year was just a special, special year in many ways. Okay. Um, so now I'm going to put you in an awkward situation. Yeah. Yeah. I need you to name me your favorite players or coworkers to be with Oof. well top of my list is my boy randy butts okay shout out randy uh shout out randy best kit man in the usl and mls in my opinion mm-hmm. not um, not biased at all don't know don't nope, know them all just but no. genuinely think he's incredible at what he does yeah for sure he is yeah. and has a genuine genuine genuinely cares about every little item of what he does and that's rare so yeah, and no, I don't think people give him enough credit. So shout out to my boy Randy. I agree. Who became one of my closest friends as well. Yep. Um, I think people don't realize behind the scenes in a football team, you there's a lot of people that work a lot of hours, and when you become friends with these people, you, you there's a bond that gets created. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, another guy I really enjoyed working with was the um, athletic trainer Marshall Stoddard, who is now in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, we. The three of us, you know, when you go on the road every two weeks, it's it's you and you're doing everything pretty much together. It's 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 a special bond that you create and and we put in hard hours. But, you know, we've all gone our we're all in different places now. But I all think we've done a really, really good job to 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 get better roles in in different situations. So I'm proud of the three of us. Um, I also from a player's perspective. I have to be honest. There's a lot, it's quite a few players I've really enjoyed uh, either working with or helping, whatever it is. I mean, look, not to be uh, sappy here, but you know, you're definitely up there and, and somebody I've enjoyed being around. Listen, it was a loaded question. I could easily put the phone down if you didn't mention me. Yeah, no, I mean it's true. Look, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think I'd be on this podcast if we didn't develop a, yeah, a good sure. friendship and 
uh, I'm, I've been grateful and especially since my move back to England, I've been really grateful for the advice and the help that you've given me uh, with your experience here and uh, players like, you know, there's guys like Demir Krylak, who I don't think people realize is perhaps the nicest human being on planet earth. Not, not athlete, just nicest human being yep, yep. on I, the I earth. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I've, I mean, I've developed good relationships. With a lot of players, Albert Rusnak is another guy I, I care about a lot. Um, from the Monarchs, there's a, all, all my all my fellow Washington Huskies. I'm going to give them a shout out. Go dogs! <laughs> who, who've come and gone through the Monarchs and RSL. Um, yeah, I think Jack Blake is another guy. But there's, I mean, the list is endless. I, I, I really believe we 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 we've brought in such a very good group of just human beings during my time in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, we were lucky enough to bring in a, you know, there's you hear a lot of stories about clubs and players that are very difficult to deal with and nightmares and and i actually think we were really lucky in salt lake from my three and a half years both with the monarchs and with the first team 90 percent of the players we brought in were just good human beings forget about athletes and footballers just nice genuinely nice people mm-hmm. okay that's that's that's, that's, that's a good great. answer that's a good answer but one thing i'm going to do just because i wanted some controversy for everyone listening who has worked with Taymor, if he didn't mention your name, he doesn't respect you. But anyway, <laughs> um, so is there anything you uh, you miss about your time uh, for RSL? Oh, yeah, many things. One, skiing. Skiing, you okay. Know, so that's I got nothing to do with RSL then. That's Utah. I, uh, yeah, that's Utah. I guess, yeah, that's a good point. So if I miss <laughs> about my time at RSL, yes. yeah, the facilities. Mm-hmm. How could I, it's the first thing, top of the list. Yeah. You know, in England, buildings are older just yeah. because of the way football's been around for so much longer. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize how blessed they are with the facilities, both both our training facilities, the, 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 the stadium, and when we go on, when we go on the road. You know, yeah. it's, it's funny because I, my first away day this season was at Hillsborough, Sheff- Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you, you, know, you yes. know the changing room there. Yep. You know the tunnel there. Yeah, it's not brand new. It's definitely not brand new, and and I think to myself, you know, if we were to bring an MLS team over here, all the guys would just complain so much because <laughs> not a nice change room. Everyone's on top of each other. Yeah, like you know the the medical staff would complain because there's no space to set up three beds, mm-hmm. uh, and then you walk out onto the, you know to get through the tunnel. It's like you have to go single file because it's so narrow. Yeah, and Test. Yet people here don't complain because it's just kind of what they know, right? Yeah, exactly. You can't complain if you don't know any different. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, and so just the facilities in general are something I miss so much because it makes life easier. I mean, from an operations perspective, when you have better facilities, your life is easier. Simple as that. So one of the elements of feedback which you've given me, uh, one bit came from the Justin Glad podcast and you disrespected his all-time RSL five-a-side oh, team. I'm going to call him out. Yeah, please do. And I hope, Justin, I hope you're listening because I cannot believe you did not put Burrito Martinez in your best five-a-side team of players you played with at RSL. No yeah. disrespect to the other guys on the team, all good players in their own right. But Burrito was something unbelievable. Okay, so, so I take it he's part of your five-a-side team then. Please name the five-a-side that you'd speak of for your time here? At RSL? Yes. Okay. Okay. In goal is Connor Sparrow. Ah, okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Good Shout out to Connor Sparrow. 
yeah, good with his feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, likes to you know likes to play a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, at the back, Taylor Pay. Okay. Okay. Another guy that used to be a striker and moved his moved with moved his way back. Listen, he'll be a goalkeeper by the time he's retired. But let's carry <laughs> on. Uh, listen, when I was Taylor Pay's fun fact, his senior year at the University of Washington, I think he was either the leader or co-leader in goals scored. Nah. And he was a center back that nope. season. Nope. So just. Don't disrespect the technical. You need on to Taylor you Bay. need to if you if you find a true valid source for such information, I'll believe it. But yeah, to that it's point, called the internet. No. There's lots of other things on the internet, my friend. But <laughs> we'll skip that. So T Pay's in, Connor Sparrow's yeah. in. Who else? Uh so Burrito. Yes. Sure. Um Javier Morales. Okay. I've heard he's not too bad. Yeah, he's I'll tell you what, technically those two. Mm-hmm. They were on their own planet. Um, and, one and more. then up front, actually, mm, mm. I've oh, got so, one more. So it's tricky then, yeah? Tricky because I want, I want Albert in my team, but I also want Savarino in my team. If you get rid of if you get rid of burrito or whatever you say his name was, this no would be chance. hilarious. He's he's my number. He's the first he, guy in my team. He has to be. He has to be down in sharpie. No pencil, straight sharpie. No, yeah. he's the exactly sharpie. Listen, that guy would make defenders look silly. Stop trying to right. buy time. Name your striker. Um. Sebastian Velasquez, actually. I'm putting him in there. Oh, Incredible okay. in tight spaces. Okay, okay, okay. Good shout. It's not a bad team, to be fair. It's not a bad team. I think Justin Glad may beat you, but it's not a bad team. No chance. Not even close. I'm it sure wouldn't even he, be close. I'm sure he'll let you know. I'm sure the listeners will let you know once they <laughs> deliver their voice memos to digitalrsl.com. Please keep doing it. I'm looking forward to Great listening plug. more. Uh, plug, 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 plug. There we go. Um, how would you describe the team or the club to say somebody that's at Barnsley now that's never doesn't know anything about this place. How would I describe? How would you describe ourselves? Comparison. Yeah, like say if someone, say if uh, is it Cole Woodrow? He plays for you, doesn't yeah. he? So how would yeah. if he asked you one day what what's it like? Play, what's the MLS like and what's RSL like? How would you describe it? Well, I tell him first and foremost, the level is. It's funny when I left you MLS, I used to think oh. All MLS teams are probably around like championship level teams. Now that I've been here, I actually think, to be honest, I think the MLS teams, at least players one through eleven, are overall mostly better than championship teams. Mm-hmm. Like I think if I took this Barnsley team that I'm working at now, for first strongest eleven, and pitted them against RSL's strongest eleven, for example. I actually think RS, if we had 10 matches, RSL would probably win seven or eight out of the 10. Mm, interesting. Now, now I'm going to change. I'm going to change the setting a little bit. Now take players 12 through 22 from RSL, and then players 12 through 22 from Barnsley, and I think Barnsley would win those games eight or seven or eight times out of 10. Mm. That's for me the biggest difference is depth. The gap from yeah, the depth, the gap from player one to 25 in the MLS is much wider than the gap from player 1 to 25 here in England. Mm-hmm. 
and again, I think a lot of it has to do with you know salary cap, right? Yeah. You can only give so much to so many to certain people, and and so it creates a gulf in the in the in the talent, especially when you have the ability to go and pay one guy, you know, as much as you really want, right? Yeah. With the with the D, DPS, mm-hmm. uh, whereas here it's a bit more, it's a bit closer together. Yeah. Um, do I think Coley Woodrow could play in the MLS? Hundred percent, and I would tell Coley he has every chance of being a number one striker for a team in the MLS. And then, look, if 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 there's ever any better example, it's your mate who was on the podcast, Bradley Wright Phillips. Right? Mm-hmm. He was um, playing in the championship, scoring. I would wouldn't say he was scoring hundreds of goals, but he was scoring a couple goals. Yeah. And he's gone over to the MLS, and I mean, look at him now. He's probably one of the greatest. Strikers in MLS history. Yeah, he's pulled. Um, what's the what's who's the last guy called again? Uh, Kevin. He's pulled the Kevin Durant by going to LAFC. That's what <laughs> yeah. that, I, I told him that the other day, and he was trying to deny it. And then in the end, he said, "Yeah, I think that's Look, what I've I, done." I thought he chose LAFC because he wanted to make sure he comes right with the bet that he made with you on the podcast. <laughs> oh, coming to the West for all the smoke, huh? Coming to the air. Yeah, it all got exactly. very serious for me when I saw he actually signed there. I was like, "Oh no, what <laughs> have I done? What have I done?" But yeah, so that's my. Look, it's different. Obviously, like I said, facilities are different. And then, the, uh, of course, the fact that in the U.S. you fly everywhere. Mm-hmm, for sure. I think people don't un- underestimate the toll that that takes on on you as a uh, – obviously, I can't speak to it physically because I wasn't a player, but it takes a toll when you have to travel four hours, five hours to go play a game over two, you know, maybe two or three hours time difference. That's – it's not easy to do that. Yeah, it's good for the air miles, though. So let's talk about Barnsley, yeah? Go ahead. How about in the time that you've been there, what would you say your best moments have been so far? Listen, we went 18 matches without winning a football match. I felt that. 18. I felt that before. I've done that before. Yeah, it's brutal. Oh, you're not wrong. And I'll be honest with you, when we won the 19th match, we beat Hull. I thought it was like winning the World It felt like we won the World Cup. <laughs> It was the greatest feeling. Yes. It was the most incredible relief I've yes. ever felt in my life. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, that's the difference. Yeah, for sure. I felt like I felt that myself. And before I felt that, I never understood why people would celebrate finishing fourth from bottom in the Premiership just because they stayed up on that last day and stuff. I was like, "What are you celebrating?" But when I've, I've told you this, I'm going to tell the listeners: if we manage to get out of the relegation zone and stay up, which I think we can do, and we finish fourth from bottom of the championship it will be my greatest achievement up yeah. to this day yeah it sounds wild but once you're in it and you feel the stresses of not winning games week in week out for a long time but with consequence waiting at the end of it for you like it's massive isn't it it's so it, big yeah. huge huge yeah and and the stress of the actual like the games when you when you're winning every week, don't get me wrong, winning is the greatest feeling. I love yeah. it. But when you're winning every week, it's like, oh yeah, we're winning. When you lose all the time, and then the the wins that you do get are just enormous. incredible. Oh, they're enormous. Like it's enormous. It's it's crazy. It's a crazy thing to get your head around because most people never really feel that. But uh, wow, literally, you've not won in two months, and you get a, an unexpected win, unexpected away win that now gives you hope. And you think this is the momentum, you know, that it changes everything. But Euphoria. It's euphoric. Yeah, it's just crazy. Who would you say the best players are in that team that people over here probably don't know about? Ooh. Look, I actually think we have... So, 
at Barnsley, one of our, you know, one of the biggest parts of our model is we have a lot of very young players, mm-hmm. um, and we have some really good young talent on this team. Um, one of the guys that sticks out for me is that we have a young left back. His name's Clark O'Dor. We signed him from Leeds this summer. Um, I mean, he's silky on the ball. Some uh, you talk about techers. He's got techers. <laughs> techers. Uh, great ability. Kind of guy that. I mean, he's gonna he if if he continues on the trajectory that he's on and if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he'll be playing at a big club one day. Um, we also, uh, you know, some of the more faint, you know, you've said Coley Woodrow scored 15 goals. We're currently bottom of the championship. He scored 15 goals in the championship. That's that's no easy feat. So, I mean, that takes talent. Um, just behind him, Connor Chaplin, uh, another guy, another young player. We brought him in the summer. I mean, talk about mentality. One of the best mentality, one of the best mentalities I've seen in a footballer. Yeah. Just works hard, honest. He's just another great human being. And it shows his work ethic and what he's done to try and get to where he is now is, is it's fun. It's fun to see those guys that really work hard, that you know do everything they can both on and off the pitch. And then to see their success on the pitch is, is, is awesome. Um, something which, which you kind of alluded to before, you said if there was a one to 11 versus another one to 11, how would it work out? Say MLS to the championship. And I kind of agree to some, level but it depends on the championship championship team depends on the uh, mls team because some mls teams are a lot better than other mls teams in certain moments and so on but how would you how let me try and get this question off correctly now so players from the uk can come and play in the mls but based on how i saw the league how i saw the championship i would say that not everybody in the mls is suited to go and playing in the league in the championship do you know what i mean yeah like say the mls i think is good in terms of how everybody wants to try and play nice football and it's not it's committed but it's not like over committed whereas certain championship games over commitment is the bare minimum you know what i mean 100 percent. in terms of tackling like just play if if a team can get up can get promoted i think this is what was the case with, with cardiff a few seasons ago they were promoted, I think, in second in the league. And they might have had the lowest possession stats of any team in that division. But they were promoted and they're happy to d- use that model. You know what I mean? Whereas here, I don't think it's really like that. So what do you reckon there'd be more players that can come to America and play or more players that would leave America to play in, cha- in the championship and do well? What do you reckon? Oh, I think it's more players are going to leave the championship and go to America. And the reason for that is exactly what you just said. I mean... The I would say most of the teams in the championship are big, bruising men who will lump the ball forward, win knock-ons, win, you know, and play the physical game and beat you. And we've suffered from that this season at times because we're one of the few clubs that, to be honest, we play a really nice brand of football. But we're not nearly, I mean, listen, (laughs) some weeks I think, oh, yeah, our centre-off, he's a pretty big guy, like... You know, I see him around our players. I'm like, yeah, he's pretty big, looks strong. And then we get to the ground on a Saturday and he's standing next to the opposition center off. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> he's engulfed. Yeah, He's tiny compared to... I, my, my, I think, where were we? 
this guy Connor Chaplin, I was telling you, he's he's he's, uh, he's definitely he's one of the shortest players on our team. Um, we I can't remember, was it Bristol City? I can't remember where we were, but at one point he went up against he went up for a header with the centre half of the of the opposing team, and I mean the the difference in just size was. It was almost like there were you could have fit two Connor Chaplins inside this one other human being. That's how big he was. And so whilst the MLS, yes, teams like to play, I do also feel that there is a very physical element to the MLS. Yes. So if you are physic, you know, quite strong, uh, powerful, fit, and you come over from the UK, you could do really, really well in the MLS, especially as a centre-off. Especially as if you're a you know a bruising centre forward, um, you score you can score so many goals. Right, so Tamor, before we transition to something fun, I have a statement here which I wanted to get off, but it's like it's very it's very pro you. So would you like a compliment? Sure, why not? Who doesn't want a lovely compliment? Okay, well, I just like to say that from since you've left, everything's kept moving, but we do miss you. A lot of players are asking how you're doing and so on, and that's. Some of it's to do because you're good at your job, but I think it's your personality that made the biggest impact. So that's why you miss so much. So there you go. Have that. And then that's Thank it. You. If you want to hear another compliment from me, don't ask me for one. Just listen back to the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, now let's have some fun, yeah? yeah? So for weeks, as a friend of the show and an avid listener, you've said that you have the best five-a-side team ever. And yep. maybe you do. Maybe you do. But perhaps that's because you've had weeks to plan for it. So some people might say you're cheating. Okay. But today I'm willing to hear it and you will be judged by the people. So please let me know what your ultimate five-a-side team is that seems to wipe the flow of absolutely everybody else. Look, I said from day one that I thought your five-a-side team was stellar. Very, very good. Duh, obviously. I said it week one of the podcast or whenever the first five-a-side team came obviously. out, I gave you the compliment. Okay. Some of the guests have had some decent attempts, decent attempts, but <laughs> lacking in some areas. Go on, then. let's hear yours. Let's hear yours. Let's hear yours. So, in goal, Go is El, Le El Loco, Rene Higuita. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Both feet, scores goals, brilliant. Okay. I've got Paolo Maldini at the back, All both right. feet, again, okay. mm -hmm. technically gifted. Mm -hmm. And then, middle of the park, my all time favorite, Paul Scholes. Okay. And then, so then I've got three, two places left, yeah? And this is yes. where I struggled because I've got three people. You've had I'm give three you... months to get ready for this moment. I can't decide, I, I can't decide but I'm going to give you the two that I think start and then if, if someone gets injured and I have to call someone in, I'll tell you who my <laughs> replacement is. So the last two are Ronaldinho and Messi. Okay. And then my first off the bench in case of a pandemic or crisis, pun intended, yes. is... Eric Cantona. You know what? That is a decent team. You've got to give it to me. No. I, I can't believe, I can't believe I chose to have you on the show just for you to name that team. Incredible team. Incredible. Has everything. Has pace. Has power. Um, but with has Cantona. You're 27 years of age. You barely even saw Cantona. What are you even talking about? Like Maldini, barely saw him. What are, what you, are you talking about? about? What are you talking about? Like someone's career is in a highlight reel on YouTube. Like, did you actually even watch him? 
I've watched the I've watched Ronaldinho, Paul Scholes, Lionel Messi. I watched Maldini lift the European Cup with Milan. What was that on YouTube and, or somewhere else? No, I was of age. What are you talking about? I was of age. <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big Man United fan, so I've seen Cantona. I couldn't even I've tell you're a United fan. Endless highlight reel. Not one person is going to select Eric Cantona for that team. Not one that's person. My, that's exactly why my team is so good, because people overlook. You know, the problem is all the people you have on the show, they're, they're thinking too today. They're not thinking about all the greats that we've had, you know? <sighs> No, so you you figured it all out, yeah. Good for you. No, not all. I just think I've got a very decent team of players that maybe some people forgot about because they're just thinking, oh, 2010 and onwards. Okay. Uh, one bit of advice for you. I hope that you don't take criticism badly because I predict some will be flying your way very, very soon. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm fine with it. Okay. I'm comfortable <laughs> in my own skin with my team. All right. So with that team, you now have to uh, park the bus. We're going proper at Let's Go Madrid style against Liverpool. Who do you okay. take out and who do you put in? Ooh, good question. Oh, thank you. Thank Again, you. only thank five aside? Yes, yeah, still five aside, yes. Yeah. So okay. you've got your current team, you've got but now you yeah. can make changes because clearly that team's not really full of defenders. Am I can I is it all five people or just No, 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 take out whoever you wanna whoever you wanna take okay. out. Okay. All right, well well I'm changing my goalkeeper. Oh I'm right, putting, okay. I'm putting in uh Edwin van der Sar. I thought you were going to put yourself in for a second, but we'll go well, van der Sar. Not if I want to win. <laughs> okay, van der Sar. Van der Sar's going in goal. Uh, at the back, I'm bringing in Tony Adams. Okay. Again, another more defensive-minded person, Roy Keane. Yeah. Um, I still got to have a little bit of attacking flair in there. It has to be working flair, though. Yeah, working flair. That's why I'm bringing in a guy like Ryan Giggs into my team. Okay. He's got he's got a bit of pace, but he'll work for you. Uh huh. Um, Plus one more again. No, I think I need two more, right? Uh, no, because you're doing the six. You had a substitute before. Oh right, 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 right. So one more, uh, and then up front, a great defensive striker, Olivier Giroud. <laughs> <laughs> we said we're parking the bus. Um. So. I think I'm going to suggest that Ryan have an edit point for that team, okay? Because maybe we don't want people to hear that you've just named that team as, as one to you know, you do well. You said park the bus. I'm parking the bus. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Um, okay. Well, let's just push that seg that little segment to the side because maybe you failed. But as I say, who knows? The people will decide. The people will decide. They'll they'll find out. They'll look at, they'll listen and they'll be like, oh, this Tamar guy, he was great until. And it'll probably be that moment. But, what would you say the best team is that you've ever seen in your lifetime? Talking about eras. Oh. Am I am I allowed to say the 99 Man United team or was I No, you can you can say that if you want. You can say okay. that if you want. Look, it, it, for me there's it's a there's a top 3 and I hate I hate to unfortunately include a Liverpool side in my top three. But, I mean, you can't say that this Liverpool side today for the last two years, two, three years, they've been pretty incredible. Okay. And in terms of what they... They actually remind me a lot of the 98-99 Man United side, which is, again, in my, in my top three. And the other team in that is the AC Milan team of the mid-thousands, that team that had Maldini, Nesta, 
again, Maldini, who you think I don't know. <laughs> uh, Pirlo. I think you're the same uh, age as his son. But yeah, go on. <laughs> that team is uh, was, I think, just pretty incredible. Okay. Well, you know, who would have thought that I'd ask you a question about your opinion and you could get it wrong? Because it's clearly the Man City team from two seasons ago or the Arsenal Invincibles. But that's fine. No, you the say Invincibles were, don't get me wrong, they're a good team. Good team. Have they, some respect. They were a great team. Sorry, they were a great team. But they're not in my top three. I'm sorry. Okay. To go a whole season undefeated, I guess it's just commonplace then. But we'll, No, we'll it's not commonplace. It's amazing. It's incredible achievement. But overall, I still don't think that... You said over, an, over a period I'm of only life. joking, Taymor. I'm only joking. It's fine. Relax. <laughs> relax. Clearly, you're stressed from this social distancing. Just relax. I am. I absolutely am. Everything's okay. I was going to ask you which your favorite Man United team was, but you've kind of told me that already. So I, that, That's not my favorite Man United team. My favorite Man United team is the 08 uh, team that won the Champions League. Ah, okay. okay yeah, that was just that was so fun. They were just fun to watch. So um, fun. So... Everyone knows you're a United fan because you've told us a thousand times already in the past hour. But <laughs> if you, this is a would you rather now. Would you rather work for them and never go to a game or go to every game and never actually end up working for them? Oh, wow. What a great question. Oh, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. So wait, I either get to work for them but never actually go to you the Never matches. go to a game. Never go Can to I a game. Can I watch them on TV? Well, if that's what you want to do, but you're in and amongst the players and the staff, but you you cannot go to a game, or never work for them. Yeah, but go, go to every, every game. single game. If you'd asked me that question two years ago, the answer would have been never work for them. Or sorry, work for them, but never go to a game. Mm -hmm. As I've continued to work in football, there's an element of me that thinks, oof. I love being a fan and I love being able to go to Old Trafford when we, if it's a match day that Barnsley are not playing. And I love that experience. It's so special. But no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'd rather work for them and never get to go to a match and just watch them on TV. Okay. That's my decision. It's okay. my dream. It's my, it's my life dream is to work for Man United. So, okay. Um, so would you say that England are your country in terms of international football? Or would you pick somewhere else? I pick England. Look, I, I'm I'm Egyptian by or, Egyptian Lebanese by origin, mm -hmm. uh, and obviously, if if Egypt were to play England, I would choose Egypt. But I mean, the reality is, in general, England England are the team that go to all the major tournaments. So, and I've grew, I was I've always been an England fan growing up. Okay. Um, so, England is my team. So would you rather see England win a World Cup or see Manchester United win the Champions League again? England win the World Cup. During this time of um, isolation and heavier measures being given every single day, would what is it that you can't live without? Nutella. Easiest thing I could say. <laughs> Nutella. Anyone that knows me will know that's the easiest. I mean, it's, it's so obvious. That's so funny because the next question would be, what should you be living without? But I think you've kind of answered that one as well. Yep, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, with that, I just want to say thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And hopefully the season restarts soon and Barnsley can gain some sort of momentum and beat the drop. But till then... Fingers can, crossed. Yeah, Fingers but, crossed, my friend. I hope it goes well 
for you guys out there. I know they also just suspended the season a bit longer over there as well. So yeah, the holiday. Hopefully, continues. we all get healthy and safe. Yeah, for sure. But till then, as I say, you just make sure you keep your maintaining social distancing, wash your hands, and do everything that's required of you. Thank you, my friend. Take care, and thank you for having me on. It was awesome. Yeah, my good pleasure. fun. My pleasure, man. Speak to you soon. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed our conversation and have gained a little more insight into what it's like to be working in football in England. Hope one day he achieves his, his end goal and he's certainly more than capable of doing so. He's a great human being and as I say, he's made a big difference to the lives of myself and lots of my other teammates. So yeah, thank you very much. And I need to do my thanks again. So thanks to producer Ryan Hale, the man himself. Um, thanks to the listeners for, of the podcast and the playlist, which is now going to be available on Apple Music also. Please look out for links. And thank you to Mountain Air Studios, Draper, Utah. And listeners, please try and leave some more voice memos at digitalrsl.com because I believe in a future episode we will be playing back some of those. So make sure you don't miss out. And with that, I say, till next time.